Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 142 of the podcast. It's the 19th of September, 2018, as I record this intro. This week, Amanda Sharma joins me to share her fascinating perspective as a grown unschooler who is now unschooling her own children. We dive into her experience growing up unschooling, the process of choosing unschooling for her children and family, what she's found challenging on the journey, her favorite thing about unschooling right now, and lots more. As a personal update, Michael is officially home. (laughs) There are so many lovely pictures and stories. And Lissy's now in LA for a few weeks working there. You know, I would never have guessed the extent of the comings and goings when we began unschooling, and I encourage them to follow their interests. I also love how Joseph, while happy for them both as they enjoy their travels, is happy and confident knowing that's not something that interests him. I think the thing that strikes me most about grown unschoolers is their deep level of self-awareness. It's very cool to see in action. And as a community update, I want to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work like this podcast and my website through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron Zavi. And thanks to Matilda for increasing her pledge. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And with that, let's get to my conversation with Amanda. Welcome, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Amanda Sharma. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Pam. Hello. I came across Amanda online a while ago and have really enjoyed reading her articles about unschooling on Medium and various other websites around the web, and I'll definitely link to those in the show notes. She has a really interesting perspective because she grew up unschooling, and now she unschools her own children. So I'm really happy she agreed to chat with me, and we'd love to dive in. So to get us started, Amanda, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Sure, absolutely. So like she said, I'm Amanda. Um, I live in Washington State, out on the Olympic Peninsula, way up a mountain in the middle of nowhere, a little (laughs) tiny, one street town. Um, I grew up here in Washington, um, like Pam said, unschooling. my mom started uh, unschooling in, let's see, I think it became in Washington State in 1985, and she started about two years after that. So she was right on the, I'm about as old as you, well, now you know how old I am. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> 
I'm about as old as you can be in this state and have been legally homeschooled. Um, and I am now the parent to uh, three kids uh, who are eight, six, and three and a half, and they've always been unschooled. That's amazing. I love that little tidbit. <laughs> <laughs> yourself there. But I, I'd love to hear a little bit about growing up, what your family's move to unschooling looked like. Yeah, sure. So, um, like I said, I, uh, my mom was sort of right at the beginning of when it became legal. So she, um, my parents certainly didn't start out their parenting journey expecting at all to homeschool or really even knowing anything about homeschooling. Um, so I have uh, an older brother who's a year older than I. And originally they put him in public school in kindergarten. And that was a very negative experience um, for both for him and for my mother. Other. Um, it was, you know, public school is created for square shaped children, and my brother was a very round shaped peg. <laughs> um, and so it was kindergarten at public school was like trying to fit a round shaped peg into a square shaped hole, and it just didn't work um, for him either um, emotionally or academically. And um, my mother felt like the school was kind of taking over raising her child, and she didn't like that, that feeling. Um, but she felt like they didn't really have any other choice. Um, she didn't know anything about homeschooling at the time. Um, the following year, when he was in first grade, and I, it was my turn to enter kindergarten, um, my parents then chose to enter us into a private school, um, thinking that that would be at least better than, than public school. And um, that was better, um, but still not great. Uh, my brother was still struggling, and my mom still missed us and um, felt like she wasn't um, having enough say in the raising of her kids and also felt like she was paying now all this money for private school. And she was still spending evenings, um, you know, helping him with all the things he was having trouble with in school. Um, so I think it was sometime in the spring of that year, um, they met a homeschooling family. And it was kind of a light bulb moment for my mom that, wow, this exists. You can school your kids at home. Um, and she felt like she was already doing doing that anyway with my brother. Um, so she picked this mom's brain and, you know, went straight out and bought a curriculum and kind of jumped in with both feet. Um, at that, for that year, it was, I think, intended that it was just going to be a temporary thing because um, my father's uh, job, they had gone on strike. And so it was they couldn't afford the private school that year. And so they thought, well, we'll try it for this year and see how this works. Um, and we never went back to school um, because it worked quite well for, for all involved. Um, and so, yeah, kindergarten at a private school was, uh, was my only school experience in my lifetime. Um, and we unschooled thereafter. Um, my mom, very quickly, we kind of started out, you know, doing more traditional homeschooling. I think that lasted maybe a year um, before my mom discovered um, John Holt's book, um, Teach Your Own, which was kind of the 
you know, the Bible of the early homeschooling movement. Um, I think that was written in 1981, and I was born in 1982. So um, now you really know how old I am. <laughs> um, and so I, I would say after that first year or so, um, we very quickly moved towards, uh, towards unschooling. Um, granted, in those days, there wasn't quite the same camps around various types of homeschooling that there is today. Um, people didn't, um, you know, being just educated at home was radical enough at that time. Um, you were still asked questions in the grocery store because you were out about, out and about at two o'clock in the afternoon or, you know, um, yeah, but I very much see my mom as being sort of a, a pioneer of her time because it takes a lot of guts and confidence, I feel like, to swim against the crowd, you know, keeping in mind that they didn't have unschooling podcasts and forums to pop in and ask questions and all of the resources that we have today. She had to stand up against a lot of a lot of questions and a lot of people wondering what she was doing. Um, but she certainly never seemed to falter about it in my eyes. She um, describes herself as always feeling very, very confident about um, knowing that she was doing what was right for her kids. Um, so uh, about second grade, I feel like about a year in, um, after receiving the normal slew of questions about how we would be socialized, um, she and two other mothers um, joined together and began a homeschool co-op, um, which was also very much a new thing of its time, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, these days, I think we have dozens of them in our town, but um, those days, we, we didn't. It was, a, it was the first one in the area. Um, and that grew to about 30 kids or so, and that was very much the community that I grew up in. Um, very, very strong um, community until, until high school or so. Um, we met once a week for a whole day, and that provided very much our, a lot of our social interaction. Um, those moms traded kids back and forth all over the place. Um, you know, these days we have something called play dates where everyone gets together. Those days they just traded kids. I remember going over to my unschooled friend's house and coming back like four days later because it would turn into, you know, can they stay another night? Can they stay another night? So there was a lot of, um, peer-to-peer -peer teaching in that way, um, up and down age levels. And then also, um, we would always be learning whatever our friends were learning at their houses also, be, and they would be learning whatever we were learning at our house because um, everybody, you know, if you were spending the night at a friend's house when it was time to, you know, do school, <laughs> um, then we all did it together. So, um so that was a really good experience, I feel like. Yeah. And then as we became teenagers, um, I feel like it, there was a sort of natural transition into my mom more and more handing over the role of providing the materials and the direction, um, but us definitely being very much in charge of our own learning. At that point, she saw that we had learned to learn and developed interests that perpetuated the learning. And so she very much stayed out of it and um, allowed us the freedom to, to, do, the, to do so. So um, I think she handed me my high school diploma when I was, I don't even remember. See, I'd have to ask my mom how old I was. I don't <laughs> even know. I was in my pajamas. I remember that. 
I had just woken up in the morning and she handed me this paper, this piece of paper and said, here's your diploma if you care. And I am giving this to you specifically in your pajamas because you did most of your school in your pajamas. So you should graduate in your pajamas. <laughs> and I remember her telling me, you should not see this piece of paper as an end to learning though. Just tuck it away somewhere. Don't think of yourself as having graduated because you should never graduate. Learning is a lifelong pursuit. And at the time, all of my schooled friends were having these big graduation parties and getting their photos done. And I kind of felt a little jealous of that. Um, But now as an adult, looking back, I feel like that is probably the most valuable piece of advice I was ever given. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so cool. I really love that. So much, so much awesomeness packed in there. (laughs) But yeah, well, I I bet, you know, she created that paper for you probably because she saw you seeing that going on all around you, right? And you were wondering about that. So she was giving you that piece, but, you know, she wanted to impart that, that just that understanding that, that, that paper wasn't, wasn't life, right? Yeah, exactly. It wasn't, this wasn't, because so many, um, well, families around, like graduating from high school, the, the impression is, you know, I'm, I'm done learning. Now I'm ready to live in the adult world. And right, right. Right. That piece of no. Well, and as soon as we think that we know something, then we stop investigating, you know, then we stop asking questions and um, stop uh, learning further. And that's what she specifically didn't want to happen. Um, So, yeah. 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 I spent a lot of my teenage years traveling, um, uh, which which I'm very thankful for. And I was only able to do because of our unschooling lifestyle. Um, And that was something that uh, was uh, now looking back, I'm very much impressed with my parents' trust in me. And I think they only had so much trust because we had had developed a relationship over our years of unschooling. But um, I did, you know, I would go off to foreign countries as a teenager, um, often, you know, having worked and bought my plane ticket and told them, yeah, this is where I'm going. And, um, and I'm very thankful that they gave me the opportunity to, to have the freedom to do that. That's really fun to hear, especially since right now we're having this conversation and my youngest is in Norway. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Very exciting. Having worked, so you know. Saved up yeah. his money for that and he's been over in Europe for yeah. three weeks now. He's got one more week left. <laughs> awesome. But that, that leads It'll be nice a very to- valuable experience, I'm sure. Oh, yes, exactly. It's It's amazing. It's such a it is a big thing it for 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 him and for us too right like like you said with yeah. your with yeah. your mom having that level of trust and you know having developed that relationship where you you know you understand your child you know you know that they can think for themselves you know that they've been making choices and you know stuff happens too you know yeah but absolutely i mean i remember calling my mom when i was uh, I'd already moved out, so I must have been 20 or t- just 21, maybe. Until I, oh yeah, I bought a plane ticket for New York City. I'm heading there for a few weeks, you know. And I showed up in New York. I think my bus arrived in the middle of the night, walking down the streets of New York, 
with, you know, to my hostel <laughs> with, with a suitcase, 20-year-old girl, you know, um, I'm sure that must have put a knot in my mother's stomach at some point, but she never let me know that she didn't have faith in me or that, um, that I could not accomplish whatever I had set out to accomplish. And so because she trusted that I could, I never had a doubt either. So yeah, exactly. but travel it, is really great for perspe- was, expanding your perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny that, um, Michael said when he told me that he was booking, he came, he came and said, um, you know, I, I'm planning on booking my flights, you know, yeah. just, just, you know, so we had like a half hour conversation. Oh, have you thought of this? How about this? How about this? I'm like, yeah, I can't think of anything you're missing. Go for yeah. it. He, he said, you know, I could see that mix of fear and excitement on your face. Like, yeah, yeah. because it was like the first, I was like, holy crap, he's going away for a month right. on the other side of the world. Yeah. Um, in 10 days, because he was doing last minute flights and stuff. But wow. I was so excited for him as well, because I knew this was something that he would just love. This is was totally yeah. gonna be his jam. And it was going to be amazing for him, too. So I needed that like 12 hour transition to process. Through. <laughs> <laughs> right. And right. my daughter did that. The, did, did the New York City thing, too. When she turned. Oh, 18, awesome. She actually ended yeah. up moving there. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, so I that first time I drove down with her, she was going to go for a couple of months. Awesome. So I drove down with her. Um, we found uh, a, a spot for her. We had worked out friends, had an, a sublet, et cetera. Anyway, got settled to her in the neighborhood. I stayed for a couple of days and then I scooted and she ended up staying nice. for the six months that she could stay. So yeah. Wow. It, it's a it's a it's a a beautiful thing like and and my other son is not interested in he loves being home right it's yeah, it's just yeah. seeing how these things um evolve out of who each child is as a person absolutely right? as yeah, an individual absolutely my brother and i took very different paths as teenagers but having the freedom to take those those individual paths mm-hmm. and um yeah and it's also i feel like it it becomes really important in the adolescent years to start to interact with the world. And, you know, it's funny. I feel like that people always say about unschoolers, oh, how, how will you get this socialization or these? It's like, well, how do you when you're stuck <laughs> in, a, in a classroom, you know, um, how do you see the world? Like, um, it seems so um, out of context, you know. Whereas I feel like uh, it can be really valuable for the adolescent years to be able to actually get out there and interact with the world and um, it better prepares you to be an adult. You know, I felt very prepared to be an adult by the time I moved out and um, didn't have any trouble with those things, all the adulting things, because (laughs) I'd had responsibility for them already for years. And so, Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. That's such a great point. And I think we might have answered this, but the next question was, what stands out for you as you look back um, on your own unschooling years? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is just really deep appreciation that my innate desire to learn and know things was not damaged, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I never really certainly realized that or even thought about it growing up, but now as an adult, um, when I see, um, when I compare myself to other adults, um, 
who were schooled, I see one of the market differences that I see is that, um, you know, a friend and I were just joking about this um, the other day who she homeschools her children as well. Um, But she was uh, telling me about a paper she wrote in college and how she doesn't um, remember writing it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Doesn't have any memory of writing it. Um, and just how different those ap- approaches to learning are. Um, whereas I feel like for myself, um, because I always learn things because I was interested in learning them, um, that's, that's never changed. There's just never been, uh, it's just been a seamless flow throughout my life of always wanting to know things and feeling confident that I could teach myself them and voraciously wanting to know everything. Um, <laughs> You know, your interest stays intact. Your curiosity. You know, what what small child is not curious? I mean, kids are curious about everything. Young children ask why about absolutely everything. But a lot of 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds don't because that's sort of gotten gone out of them um, by being them being told what they were supposed to know or what they were supposed to learn or not being able to pursue the things that they were interested in. And so I feel very thankful, more and more thankful in my adult life that that was not damaged, that, mm-hmm. um, that I have so many varied interests um, and I'm generally reading, uh, you know, seven books at once. Um, no, and, and have always been that way. And, uh, and, and, uh, also that I have always retained the ability to form my own opinions. I feel like there's sort of an unfortunate byproduct of school, um, at least our current Western model of school, um, because you've spent all of this time having information sort of fed to you and not being encouraged to ever question it or look deeper. Um, I feel like one sort of develops this knee jerk acceptance of authority or of what authority tells you, um, which, you know, yes, we have to stand on the backs of those who came before us and it's good to know what, um, other humans have learned too. Um, (laughs) But I feel like what society is also in desperate need of is creative, flexible thinkers um, who are able to approach problems in entirely new ways, um, especially, you know, in today's technological society where we have all of this information sort of at our fingertips um, that one constantly has to react to and sort through in order to create any sort of a cohesive worldview um, that uh, that it sort of ends up steering you away from uh, critical thinking and an analysis, you know, that that's sort of an unfortunate backlash of just feeding children information versus um, teaching them critical thinking and how to sort through the information, you know. Um, Honestly, I think that it has a lot to do with our culture's current rash of conspiracy theories everywhere um, and the public's sort of general inability to investigate information sources. Um, And so I find it very valuable um, that uh, my critical thinking was always encouraged and stayed intact. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) There was so much in there, Amanda. I love that. (laughs) 
And I think that that those two pieces that you pointed out, the system, you know, the lack of of the lack of being able to think for themselves, right? Just being fed information and the lack of being able to follow your curiosity, right? Being told yeah. what information you're going to be given. And yeah. I mean, schools haven't been around that long, but we've been so enmeshed with, with that system that I think we, as a society, we've kind of come to see and, and to believe that that's the natural state of school age kids, right? That they're, yeah, yeah. they're not curious about things. Look, they never want to do things and, right. and they can't think for themselves. We have to tell them what to do. Right. So we think that's their innate nature, whereas it's really the result of the system that they have Very to function much. within, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so it kind of distorts people's idea of children or of the natural really. state of ch- Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like people saying, oh, well, if you, you know, don't put rules around how much uh, iPad they can watch, then they're just going to sit and watch iPad all day. Well, I've certainly never met a six-year-old who would sit on the couch all day if there's a pond full of frogs outside or a tree to climb or an adult who's interested in engaging with them or various other things, you know, it's just not really human nature. Yeah. (laughs) But it might be if they, you know, for a school child, but, uh, but not usually. Yeah, because so often, like once they are so involved in that system, their choices, <clears throat> even like evenings and weekends, really aren't their own because they're still in reaction yeah. to that system that they have been Absolutely. in all week, right? So Absolutely, yeah. They're still making then, they're making good choices to take care of themselves, as in you know sure. maybe they need that decompressing time. That decom- yeah, but again, absolutely. it's all in reaction to that system. It's not the innate nature of a child. You know absolutely, I mean? they, yeah. They, yeah. That's one thing I love, you know, about going to unschooling conferences and and just hanging out with my um, kids' friends. Like, I mean, we had, we did not have all those families around us that, that you had yeah. growing up yourself. And, and I guess your children must have too. Um, so we would travel to hang out, but to see them throughout all the, all the ages, like right into the teen years, still being curious, still being open, yeah, always thinking critically, like to just listen to their conversations and see where they're jumping this that you know you can see the way they're thinking through things and it's just always so fascinating it's always fun to hang out with them isn't it yeah absolutely yeah yeah it's put, definitely puts a different spin on the whole teenage years too which is always talked about you know with our society has such a funny approach to the teenage years of uh, that it's like this impending doom, you know, <laughs> that they're automatically disconnect and um, not care what you have to say. And, you know, that that's um, just not necessarily the norm if you've kept the relationship intact and if their curiosity has stayed in, intact. And, yeah. and you've spent those years seeing, um, you know, how 
I, I'm trying to think of another, but like how intelligent they are, as in how capable yeah. they are. There's the right word. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And then capable. you treat them like people. Yeah. Instead yeah. of trying, you know, as little kids, we're trying to get them to be so independent so early. Society is right. in general, right? right? And yet as teens, then we want to like stop them. Now do what I tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not so independent. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, so as an unschooler turned unschooling parent, now let's kind of cross that threshold. I'd love to hear yeah. about the process of choosing unschooling and how that unfolded for you and your family. Sure. Yeah. So um, it's, uh, let's see. So I, when my husband and I had children, we hadn't decided pre having children, whether we were going to homeschool or put our children in school. Um, I had been a nanny for a great number of years, um, up until then. And most of those children, uh, actually no, all of those children were, uh, public schooled. Um, and so I had had some, some experience with that, you know, positive and negative. And I was open to the idea. Um, and my husband actually had a very, very different experience there than mine growing up. Um, he was raised um, in Stockholm. Um, his mother is from Sweden and he was raised there. And so he grew up going to European schools, which are very, you know, the Scandinavian system is just light and day, you know, night and day different than the American system. Mm -hmm. um, and so he didn't have um, so much of a negative experience with school. Um, he had quite a, a positive one until he came here to the U.S. for high school. And I think it was kind of only that small negative experience of seeing the difference um, between the Scandinavian system and the American system that even made him open to the idea mm -hmm. of homeschooling at all. Yeah. Um, and so when our daughter, um, because I'm obsessively organized, <laughs> um, <laughs> when, my, when our oldest was two, I think, or three, um, three maybe, um, I was uh, really torn about this choice of where, what we were going to do with education um, and kind of didn't really ha know what it was like to be in school having never been myself. What, my one tiny little experience with school was that I took a couple of classes um, at the public high school when I was a teenager. Um, and was really confused by those teenagers' um, way of handling their education because I pretty much blasted through the, the book they gave us and learned everything in about a week and then was confused as to why the other kids were, didn't and were messing around and aren't we here to learn? And, um, you know, but that was pretty much the only experience that I'd ever had with being in a classroom, um, unless you can count, you know, kindergarten. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, so my idea, I had this sort of mishmash of ideas around what school was even was basically given to me by Sesame Street, you know, and all of the, um, the cultural messages that you get about 
school and how wonderful it is and the big yellow bus and, you know, smiling children and crayons and, you know. Um, and so I kind of always had this idea that maybe it was this amazing center of learning that I had been excluded from, you know, and I wanted to m make sure that I didn't um, exclude my child from that. Um, and so even though I, I, I had a very positive opinion of my own homeschooling and felt like it was, it was a good thing, um, I still had to see for myself what this whole school thing was actually like. Um, and it took a day, one day of volunteering. <laughs> um, I went and volunteered. I went to our local public school where she would have gone and asked if I could volunteer in some classrooms. And I, when I spent a day in the kindergarten classroom she would have been in and popped into some of the other classrooms. And all of my ideas about what school were kind of came tumbling down. And I, um, and I thought, this is, this is ridiculous. Have these people ever read a book on child development? Um, the, I, uh, it was it kind of astonished me. Um, one of the main moments being when I volunteered in the kindergarten room, um, it was Earth Day that day. And not only did they have all the blinds, it was a beautiful sunny day outside, and not only did they have all the blinds shut, and these kids are sitting on the rug, and the, and the teacher read them a book about the ocean. And the teacher seemed utterly bored, and the children seemed utterly bored, and they're reading a book about the ocean for Earth Day versus being outside and doing, you know, something in nature. And to my, my unschooled brain just went, this does not make any sense to me. <laughs> Why would you read a book about the ocean? Go to the ocean, you know, to experience, to know what the ocean is. You need to taste the salt and feel the waves and you know, uh, and, and see it to like a, a child will never learn about the ocean by a book, you know. Um, and so this just seemed so out of context to me. Um, and then, uh, you know, a few other things uh, really, I didn't like the way they were handled, like the whole public shaming thing of um, uh, giving kids stars for what I found to be, you know, we never had arbitrary rules in my house growing up. Um, and I'd never had any experience whatsoever with seemingly arbitrary rules. Um, and so I was a little bit astonished by them. Um, when I saw the teacher giving out stars for things like raising your hand or sitting in your chair the entire time you were supposed to or seemingly arbitrary things versus did you enjoy your something? Did you help a friend? Did you, were you kind? Did you, you know, did you learn anything? <laughs> um, and so that pretty much sealed the deal for us. I, I came home and said, no way, no way in hell. Um, <laughs> And that was the end of our, uh, you know, dis discussion about school versus unschooling. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And what a great, what a great way to approach it too. It's like, Hey, you know, I'm curious, you know, there, that's the thing too, there, sometimes there's an expectation that just cause someone grew up unschooled or, you know, that that was their experience that obviously that will be what they do with their own kids. 
you know, sure. like you said, it's it's the the critical thinking and the analysis skills and the understanding ourselves and understanding our environment. Of course, we would want our grown kids to make a a choice. Like it's not an expectation; yeah. it's a choice. Like everything yeah. else in their life up to this point has yeah. been a choice. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that yeah, is, yeah. their choice isn't a judgment of our choice. Like you said, you know, your Absolutely. mom made a great choice and you enjoyed growing up the way that you did. And it was still a choice for you to make with your own kids. And I love that, that, that you walked out, that you went out. It's like, hey, I want to go gain some experience in that environment and see what it's really like. And you went walked in to volunteer. I think that's what a great way to gather a bit more information for your choice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to see for myself. Yeah, and I and I have friends that I grew up with who um who were unschooled and have chosen to send their kids to school, not for any negative reasons about their own experience, just that was the, what suited their families best. And I've been fascinated to see that a lot of them have still managed to retain a lot of the more radical parenting principles or the way of relating to their children or just the, um, the approach to how they handle their children, even though they have chosen school. And so I, and I feel like that, you know, it doesn't have to be even such a black and white demarcation of school versus unschool that, um, that those principles can work in any situation, um, with any parents. I'm jumping up and down here. And like, yeah, just yeah. because your children go to school, it doesn't mean you have to bring that whole school ethos home. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You do not have to value grades like school tries to say grades have value, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't, and you have, don't have to yeah. You don't have to have look to at manipulate their cards. like they do. To, yeah. Be upset about test scores, you know. You Absolutely. you know your child, you're with your child, you can still value them, not their performance, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. That's such a great point. <laughs> I really enjoy what um uh Lucy Aitken Reed has established the uh, parent allies group mm-hmm. um, for sort of widening that conversation of making it not about whether you school or unschool, but just being an ally to your child and that those um, specifically like the radical unschooling principles, which we think of being, um, you know, this, this, this well radical idea that they can actually work just as well for your relationship with your child and for supporting them even if they are in school mm-hmm. or whatever the situation might be yeah no exactly because yeah. when you get to the root of it like that's why we talk about so much um with unschooling like at first i even for me because my kids were in school at first you think you're choosing what you're going to replace school with right you're bringing them home right. And so you're, you're worried about the learning, you're focused on the learning, you're focused on, you know, what am I replacing that curriculum with, you know, even right, if right. it's not a curriculum per se, um, but very soon as you go through de-schooling, you realize, oh, this is really about living. Like we learn all the time when we're living, Let, we, if we focus on just living together as a family, as people then the learning naturally happens. And so, yeah, school completely is out of the picture. 
Yeah, so absolutely. You, yeah, once you realize that really it's the root of the relationships, those relationships can can be there if your child, you know, chooses to go to school for a while. You know, absolutely. knowing that they can they can come home or knowing that you're there to support them, not the school, when something when they're, you know, upset about something or et cetera, if your child goes to college, you know, whatever it is, you've gotten to the point where it's just fundamentally about you and them, about the relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. With my, um, I have a stepson also, um, my, my fourth child that was a bonus by marriage. Um, he is 16 now. Uh-huh. And I think that he, watching his growing up, Um, I've been observing his growing up since he was two and, um, watching how, um, my husband has, has handled his relationship with his son. Um, my husband very, very naturally comes at, um, parenting from a, uh, what you would call a radical unschool perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a lot because, honestly, <laughs> of the Scandinavian system, even though that sounds funny to say that he got radical unschooling from going <laughs> from to school. <laughs> but, um, uh, and, and it's also how he was parented. His mother very much approaches things that way. And, um, that's his personality. But he's, um, it's been a joy to watch how he's managed to implement those principles and handle his relationship with his son in that way even while his son has been in school all growing up and even while he's only been able to be a part-time parent also that those principles have still worked even in that situation, which just goes to show you that it really is all about the relationship and the respect and the support that you give your kids, not about school or not school. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, all about relationships, not, not bringing that whole power thing in, right? Yes. You know, not bringing control and manipulation. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So quick question. What did you find to be the most challenging aspect of moving to unschooling and how did you work through that? Yeah. So um, this, I feel like what is, was probably the most challenging question for me to come Mm -hmm. up with an answer to. Um, not because I don't know what my answer is, but we feel like I feel like it's sort of a chunky answer, um, and I want to be clear about it. Um, so, first of all, I I would say as far as my move to unschooling with my children and in my own family, I can't really. I mean, I sat and thought about it, and, re- I, and I really can't come up with any challenge. I don't think there's been any challenge. Um, because unschooling has kind of always been the state of my life, and um, because those principles are very much part of my foundational knowledge and my emotional makeup, um, and if I'm not sure, I can always call my mom, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, you know, unschooling should come with a warning label that your children will still call you seven times a day when they're <laughs> six, you know. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah. Um, so I can't say that as far as our own unschooling, there's really been any challenges. It's really been something I've come out very naturally and not really something that I think about or really have any, any challenges with. Um, 
if if anything, um, I, you know, of course, growing up and starting out unschooling with my own kids, I'd never heard of a, a, a process called de-schooling. But now um, writing about it and reading other people, uh, you know, I've read so much and heard so many other parents that I know talk about this whole process of de-schooling that they've had to go through, um, which is sort of you know, this whole process of almost unbrainwashing yourself um, from the system and, and kind of rewiring your neurons. And um, whenever I hear a parent talk about that, I always silently thank my mother for not doing that to me because I feel like I've had to go through that process not at all. I've, I haven't had to go through any de-schooling. Um, I saw that was, you know, unschooling was sort of my starting out point. Um, and I'm, I'm appreciative of that. Um, what the challenging aspect has been for me has been more around my own identity with it and um, identifying with uh, the um, being willing to kind of call myself an unschooler or put my children in that camp or want to write about it. Um, because as happens, as is human nature, um, you know, we can, we want black and white answers about everything. And, uh, especially when we've come from this very black and white system, most parents, the vast majority of parents, every, certainly every parent that I know, um, was, came at homeschooling or unschooling, having been public schooled themselves and finding that a negative experience. And so, um, wanting to do something totally different. And then there's this possibility for coming at it from this reactionary place. Um, and I feel like there's, there's always a potential negative with coming at anything from this reactionary place because um, it can send you too far the other direction. It can swing the pendulum too far the other direction if you're not coming from a really uh, solid understanding of what you're, of what you're doing. Um, and, you know, it's been especially disheartening to watch some of the conversation around radical unschooling, especially take that turn is I feel like there's just, there's so much misunderstanding about what it actually is or, or what, you know, um, and, uh, let's see. So, I feel like uh, a lot of parents that I observe when they were coming from this reactionary place, it create it, it develops this resistance to creating boundaries, um, a resistance to being a leader for their own children, um, a, a resistance to ever saying no about anything. Um, in my own head, I call this um, freedom fascism, which is, are two silly words to put together, but, <laughs> uh, but, you know, idolizing freedom to the point where the parent is afraid to interfere with their child at all, um, or idolizing peace to the point where the parent is afraid to create boundaries or have any expectations of the child because then the child might resist and they think that that resistance might damage the relationship, you know? And so, uh, you know, and so many of the common unschooling or radical unschooling debates um, would would fall on these lines. Um, that you know, the, the screen time debate, or the food debate, or the making your kids do chores debate, or you know. Um, and so, I have hesitated to want to even identify with um, 
with unschooling as a dogma. Um, I, I feel like there's this sort of wave of dogma developing um, around the idea of it. And whenever we um, move away from one dogma, it's so easy to just pick up another, you know, um, because we want those black and white answers, you know. Um, but I feel like dogma always stands in the way of direct perception, you know. And the most important thing with unschooling is that direct perception of your child and of what their needs are and what they are telling you. And um, so that very much requires no dogma, you know? Um, that critical thinking, right? Yeah, that critical thinking, that being willing. And so it's not about you know, unschooling is not about don't ever pick up a workbook or the second you, oh, you have a phonics book in your house, you're not an unschooler, you know, um, you said your kid can't eat Skittles all day, you are not an unschooler, you know, um, it's, this, it's this whole sort of dogma that I feel like does not serve the conversation and certainly does not serve the children in the conversation. And so I've had this sort of emotional resistance to wanting to even call myself that or wanting to even write about it um, because of this irritation with this sort of dogma that has developed around that, you know? Um, I feel like I'm more interested in being a part of a wider conversation around children's rights in general, around respecting children in general, around, um, and that can, and then also around understanding what a child needs um, evolutionarily and um, to reach their full potential. And that really is just a matter of, of science and in, of knowing what a human being needs. And you can, like we said before, it's not really a matter of school versus not school because what is school? It's just a place for children to be able to go because we've created this society where children, parents go to work in a manner where their kids can't come. And so um, it's just a building, really, with people in it. And you can make that into whatever you want. I mean, school could be a place um, where, um, and in certain places, there are they're trying out new theories. Um, Sweden would be a very good example of that. Some of the newest schools, charter schools in Stockholm, pretty much function on unschooling principles. You know, there are no age um, separations. Um, it's complete... Um, a freedom as far as the child uh, following their own um, time scale with learning, um, uh, not having a curriculum per se, but following interests, things like that. Um, so you can take those same principles and apply them to any situation, I think, which people try to say, I mean, how many times has Sandra Dodd said it's about principles versus rules, you know, <laughs> but, um, but as she also says, people get hung up on words. Um, <laughs> And um, we're still, I feel like, at those of us who are writing about unschooling and speaking about it are, are still trying to come up with the right words to stop this whole dogma from developing around what we're talking about, you know? Um, I love it. I usually jump into that word piece there because it, it makes me yeah. laugh. There, I, can't, I can't quote it right now, but there's a chapter um, in The Unschooling Journey in my book where I talk yeah. about that. Um, yeah. You know, and 
you know, it's been that way, um, choosing words and how you describe philosophies yeah. for, for thousands of years. That absolutely has sure. been there, right? Because sure. words mean different things to different people depending on the perspective, the lens through which they're reading them. Absolutely. So as I describe, this is, you, you just hit the root right there. As we describe what we do, yeah. As we, you know, say yes more, we, you know, it's very rare for us to say no. Yeah. People who are, like you said, they're coming yeah. from growing up in that schooling experience. They're like, oh, yeah. so that's oh, an unschooling Don't ever rule. say no. Yeah. We always yeah. say yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Instead you know, of that have... critical thinking piece, right? Absolutely. It, Absolutely. It's not a rule. It's, it's the moment. You know, what's going Absolutely. on in this moment? Who are the people involved? What is the actual situation? What is the time of day? Like there are so yeah. many different so things many that variables. can affect that choice in that yeah. moment. Absolutely. That's where the learning is too, right? Figuring out all those totally. pieces. That's where the critical thinking is. Not, oh, unschoolers always do this or never do this. Right, right. right. And, and that's when, where the dogma comes in, where they right. think, okay, I need rules. I'm not following school's rules now. I want to follow yes. unschooling so rules. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. I'm it sorry. It doesn't work that way. Absolutely. Yeah. When my husband and I first got together, so Swedish is his first language. Mm-hmm. And even though we both spoke English and he was fluent in English, I still felt like oftentimes we would talk together and it's like we were saying the same words, but we were not meaning the same thing. And until I finally decided to teach myself Swedish in order to better understand him. And so I did. And um, it so opened up my, our ability to communicate because I suddenly understood what he was meaning by the words he was saying. And I feel like it's, it's similar to that, you know, that like, when an unschooler and someone who's grown up in a public school are, are talking, you might be using the same words, but you're not at all meaning the same, same things. Thing. And there are so many writers, mostly, you know, um, uh, some of, you know, I, I, I don't know how old you are, but... Um, I'm you 52. Know, you gave them a I'll give okay, them okay. No problem. So, so I was, writers of my mother's generation are, are doing such beautiful work, in, in, yourself included, in moving the conversation forward and in trying to find the words to explain these principles. Um, but there has still been this sort of dogma that has developed around it. Yeah. And so trying to wrap my mind around how to move through that, you know, like Carol Black um, talks about um, when you had your, her on. I love Carol Black. Oh yeah. my goodness. I just, I love her essays so much. And I love her, her, her movie she made, uh, her documentary. Um, but, uh, you know, she talks about unschooling being more of like a step in the right direction of dismantling patriarchy and the oppressive systems that have been with us so far in our evolution as a species. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the moment that we start thinking of it as an, um, an end in and of itself or turning the method into this dogma, then we're stopping there. We're stopping progress. You know, we're, st- um, that's how I see it anyways, where, uh, you know, the moment we say, okay, I've got this new dogma, 
then we're not unschooling because we're not investigating any further. We're not talking any further. We're not, um, we're closing down that investigation, you know? Um, and so <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, challenge- this is like the unschooling journey book. I'm sorry, people. I, it's rude to plug your own book, whatever. And I'll put yeah. a link, but that's the whole point. You know, it, it is a journey and it's an ongoing thing. Like once Absolutely. you get to that point in like so many people get to kind of understanding the day to day of unschooling and then they stop there. Yeah, absolutely. But if you keep trying to learn about it, you keep trying to understand it, you get further. And then you get to that point where you, you, you see how it, it is a part of, of life and, and how that it just continues on. Like, I mean, for you, it's become your lifestyle as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You just, um, how you're, you're not stopping learning, right? Yeah. It is yeah. an approach to living. It's an approach to life. And it's an openness to understanding that there's always more to learn. Like, Absolutely. And, and always more to learn from about other people. You, other, you understand other people's journeys Absolutely. so much more yeah. empathetically because you see that they are just where they happen to be right now on their own journey, right? And Absolutely, all, yeah. All, kind of one. We're all people here. (laughs) Absolutely. I won't care. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like the process of having more than one child is you can, you can have one child and you can say by the time that child is five, okay, I've got this down. I know this parenting thing. Um, and then you have another child and you realize you don't know anything (laughs) because you don't know that child. You know, you might know, have known your first one and now you have to learn everything again because, because it's a different person. You know, we have four and I've, everyone, we've had to learn everything differently and all over again because, you know, what works for one doesn't work for another about pretty much anything, you know? And that view expands. You now realize that, okay, that's how my family operates. We are all truly unique individuals completely. Oh, yeah. Every other person I look at outside in the world is also in that same same uh, state or absolutely. whatever. But but As they absolutely, are all, yeah. Have, yeah, they're all individuals with their own, you know, um, strengths, weaknesses. They all have their own viewpoint, that lens through which they see things because of their experiences growing up, etc. And and absolutely. openness to learning, absolutely. their curiosity, their creativity, like. Those are all bits and pieces of them that are just in this moment, right? That's who they are in this moment. Absolutely. But understanding that we're all learning and growing, et cetera. And yes, that's very cool. And that's one thing I Yeah, I love about the podcast too. You've mentioned Lucy. You've mentioned Carol. You know, they all have, um, they all, you know, understand unschooling and it's so fun to see what aspect has connected with them. You know, you talk about absolutely. They all have a unique voice. Yes, exactly. Something I love that they've all found the piece that, that just connects for them that they love talking about. Right. All these absolutely. And we need 
all those voices. voices. Yeah. Somebody might so much more identify with Lucy's writing than with mine. And that's great because then they have something that they, you know, that they can gain understanding from where somebody might really like Sandra's unique approach of, of, you know, explaining something versus mine or Carol's or someone else's, uh, you, you know, um, yeah. and so all those unique voices and ways of explaining something are, are so important, I feel like. Yeah. And which is why we need our critical thinking skills, people. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, we Absolutely. find. Yes, we find what connects with us because we're that the knowledge about ourselves, our, our self-awareness is growing. Um, we understand. Totally. Different things connect with us. Um, in different ways and, and being open to finding rather than, you know, latching on to that one dogma and, oh, I have to get absolutely. everything from just this one source. No, yeah, absolutely. You know, we're all yeah. individuals. I may grab, you know, something, the way you say some things may really connect with me and help me really understand one aspect. And then I might get another aspect yeah. from someone else. You know, it's, it's beautiful. Totally. Love the way that's developed. Totally. Yeah. So that's been my biggest challenge, yeah. mainly in deciding whether I want to be a part of the conversation yeah. or whether I want to write about unschooling because I don't want to be seen as holding it up as a dogma um, or an end in and of itself, you know, um, because, on, you know, because it, and not everyone can unschool or not everyone chooses to, um, and, you know, for instance, unschooling requires at least one of the parents to, you know, be around. <laughs> um, you don't have school as a, as a babysitter, you know, I know from, for, in our family that has required enormous life changes to make that possible. You know, um, pre having children, we had lived at, um, we had owned a farm for about 13 years with a nice, nice big mortgage to go with our nice big property. And, um, my husband was off, um, was an engineer by trade and was, was, uh, off working a lot of the time. And it was just not a lifestyle where we could keep one of us at home to be doing this, um, or it would be one of us at home to the complete exclusion of the other parent, um, you know. And so we ended up, uh, you know, leaving that home and buying, paying cash for a piece of property and putting a yurt up. And we now we live completely off grid in a yurt. in order to enable the lifestyle where one or the other of us can always be home, you know, mm-hmm. um, to, and so, and not everyone is willing to do or able to, to do that. Um, and so it's important that, you know, that parents don't think that, and I've had parents, you know, like my, uh, I run a, an unschooling co-op as well and called the village school. And, um, a friend and I started that up and I've had parents, contact us going, oh, but, you know, is it okay? We kind of homeschool. We don't really unschool or we're doing an online program through the school district. So, so, you know, um, we, we don't fit into your category, you know, um, and feeling like that's, that's a negative or that they're going to be judged for their choices or that they can't apply these beautiful principles to their lives because they haven't made the same choices, you know, when really that's, that's not the way that it works at all, you know? 
respect and connection works in any situation, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, I, exactly. You know, the same thing through when I used to run a conference as well, you know, yeah, it's, it's useful in that they, they have an idea. They, they have a good idea of what you're, you're trying to create, right? Sure. I mean, just as you wouldn't want them to come in with expectations and, and be poo-pooing what you guys are doing. So, yeah. you know, it's great to have that information because that's what we're all looking for, right? Is, is sure. connections, yeah. right? Absolutely. So, yeah, to, to have so, enough information so that you can see the potential for connection and then reaching out and seeing how it goes. Right. I think that's great. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um. I think this came from a piece that you wrote as well um, about the idea of trust. So I was curious to yeah. hear about how trust is playing out in your unschooling lives. Yeah. So um, I definitely feel like the trust that my parents put in me mm-hmm. um, has been a great, great benefit to my life. Um, to my relationships with each of them, um, and to just my own development as a person. Um, I feel like my, my parents did a very good job of trusting me to make my own choices and trusting my ability to, um, to um, find and integrate information and to think critically um, <laughs> and form my own opinions. Um, even if they were very different from my parents' opinions, which I feel like that's kind of the crux of it. Yep. Like it's all, it's good and easy to, to, to let your kids develop your own opinions until they develop ones that are completely different than yours. And then that's really where, you know, okay, so then what, then, um, what does that do to the relationship? And so I feel like, um, my parents did, and I can say that because I pretty much have developed opinions um, uh, in many other areas of life that are not unschooling. I've developed opinions that are very, very different than both of my parents. Um, And that could have been an obstacle. It very much could have been, um, and I think oftentimes is an obstacle in people's relationships with their parents. Um, but it has not been an obstacle at, at whatsoever in my relationship with my parents. And I think that is entirely due to trust, in, um, due to their trust in me um, that, um, that they don't feel threatened um, that, you know, that, that I'm not questioning or, uh, their choices by making different ones, like we said earlier, but also that I'm not having a negative opinion of them just because I have, cho- you know, come to completely different conclusions. And I really, really appreciate that in my relationships with both of my parents, that we can t- talk about things that we completely disagree about, Um, but that they have no negative opinion of me, that they still very much trust my, my own ability to make those choices. Um, I, you know, there was, uh, this was evidenced by many ways that they approached things as I grew up, um, both trusting me to go off traveling and things like that and not instilling fear in me, not instilling a bunch of what ifs, 
you know, well, this could happen or well, that could happen. Um, I, and so I always trusted that I was capable of pretty much anything that I set my mind to, um, which enabled me a lot more mental freedom to just go for it instead of getting hung up in fear about things or questioning whether I could actually accomplish it. Um, trusting me to follow my own interests. Um, I had, you know, as most unschoolers do, I found my particular interests growing up, as I'm sure won't surprise you, writing was my main one. And that they, both of my parents put enormous trust and and pride and support into, um, into helping me pursue my interests in many different ways. Um, One example would be that I just have this vivid memory of being about my daughter's age now, about eight, and I wrote this book. Um, I was a much more terrible speller than she is. And, um, and I had wrote this book, you know, uh, we didn't even have a computer or a typewriter. So it was just by, by hand, you know, yeah. drawn the pictures for it. And I came to my mother and said, I want to publish this book. Um, and rather than telling me, oh, honey, wait till you're older, wait till you have better skills, wait till you can spell, (laughs) um, you know, uh, she, she didn't do any of that. She helped me research, uh, which publishing house would be best. She helped me figure out how you find a publishing house how you write a query letter, how, you know, and we sent this book off. I don't know that I ever heard back from them or probably got a rejection. I don't, you know, remember, but that wasn't the point. Yeah. What I had learned from that experience was that she trusted uh, my interests and what she, what I wanted to do, that they were valid, that they were good, that they were, um, you know, that, that I, what, that I was, that I should continue. Um, and all growing up, they provided those sorts of experiences, both of them. Um, I was accepted into, uh, are you familiar with the Institute of Children's Literature at all? It's no, a, it's an, um, it's an it's a college um, that is uh, by correspondence, mm-hmm. and so they have a um, like aptitude test to get into their their correspondence program. And so I took this aptitude test when I was I think fourteen, and they didn't know that I was fourteen. Yeah. And so I got a letter back saying, "Well, uh, well, like no, I guess they did know I was fourteen because I got a letter back saying." well, you're accepted, but you're only 14. (laughs) So maybe uh, let's wait a year or something. Um, But I I ended up eventually enrolling in that program and um, doing that for about four years. And that was um, a huge money and, you know, commitment on my parents' part um, that they had no problem, you know, I remember my father sitting me down and saying, um, you know, why do you want to do this? What are your goals? What are you, how are you going to use this? Okay, great. You know, let's do it. I had thought them out. Um, and so I have strong appreciation for, for all of those as far as my relationship with my parents and my ability to trust myself and my ability to trust my own, um, my own logic and thinking to not second guess myself, to not get hung up in fear. And then that has enabled me to have so much more ease in my relationship with my children and being able to do the same thing, to, um, to trust their development, to trust that they have the ability to learn, learn what they need to learn. Um, if I provide the right tools and environment, um, 
to trust their choices around things. Um, my, my, I have a ballet background and um, used to teach ballet. And so I put my daughter in ballet when she was like, you know, two and a half, three years old, <laughs> hoping that maybe she would have the same interest. And of course, you know, she doesn't. Um, but she spent about three years doing ballet and she was really, really good. She had, you know, I, I was a ballet instructor, so I knew that she had the ability to do it. But she came to me when she was um, seven and told me, Mom, this is not my thing. This is your thing. I don't like it. I don't want to be on stage. I, it's not my thing. Um, and so rather than pushing her to do something that she was not wanting to do that wasn't her interest, uh, you know, we let that drop. And what was her interest, which she told us from about the time she was three, was violin. She wanted to learn violin. She's been telling us she wanted to learn violin since she could talk. And um, so we found her a place where she could do violin, and that is, she's obsessed with it, that she lives and breathes violin. Yeah. And so just, you know, and that's been so easy for me as a parent to, to just trust those things and to go with it and to not second guess and to not worry, to not have all this worry that they're not going to find their way, that they're not going to learn what they need to learn, which just creates so much ease in, in dealing with your kids and in your relationship with them. So, wow. yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> that was spectacular, Amanda. <laughs> I love the thread that you pulled right through that whole thing from, you know, from your parents' trust and how that helped you so much and then how you can flip that and, and do that for your children as well. That, that yeah. was lovely, lovely to hear. Awesome. Yeah. I feel like it, it, you know, it bleeds over into every yeah. aspect of life too, not just academic things, you know, because for instance, you know, my grandmother came from the generation where women were still put to sleep during childbirth and my mother reclaimed that, you mm -hmm. know, she, um, and she had natural childbirth. And so, so then she, and she learned to trust herself that she could birth, um, uh, without interference. And so then because she had developed that trust in herself, she spoke so positively and beautifully about birth, her whole, my whole growing up that then I just didn't even have that hang up when it came yeah. to time to have my own kids. I already trusted myself that it would be no problem, you know, yeah. um, and it, you know, into when, even when you wean your children, trusting that they will wean when they, sh they need to, you know, uh, or get, get out of your bed when they need to, or, <laughs> you know, learn to pick up after themselves at some point or, you know, everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. I really, I really enjoyed hearing that, that whole Process? No, process probably isn't the right word, but the, the history, the history. And again, that trust, I feel like trust is so wound up uh, back to the fact that we're all individuals, right? We can't know for someone Absolutely. else. Right? Yes, very much, right? Yeah, yeah very true. Yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah. our last question. What is all your right. favorite thing about your unschooling lifestyle right now? Well, currently, right now, I am just having so much joy in watching my children's um, 
curiosity and aliveness in um, relation to their learning, which is the same thing that I experienced. Mm-hmm. And I see, I'm, I'm noticing it in them um, very particular because I spend all these years nannying for school children. And um, I see this very, very huge difference, um, especially that happens around a child when a child hits maybe oh second or third grade or um uh that is there's a very big difference of course not black and white so you can't say this you know for every situation yeah. but in general uh, in general terms um there starts to be this 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 difference and i see in my children just this this burning curiosity to know everything, this joy in, in relating to, into, to their learning. Um, you know, my daughter is a obsessive reader. Um, she, you know, keeping her in books is like a part-time job. She (laughs) blasted through the entire Harry Potter series twice last year. Um, and to see, to see, you know, not that I would see it as a problem if she wasn't reading at all and was interested in something else, but to see her develop that passion and to read because she's interested in it and because it's fun and not because somebody made her or um, told her that it was important, you know, and even just her whole process of learning to read was very much because, um, she was given a book for her sixth birthday. Her, her grandmother, her farmer in Sweden, gave her this abridged copy of Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, and something about the book, Shakespeare, sparked her curiosity. And she spent about two weeks doing nothing but trying to puzzle out reading that book. Wow. And she went from like three-letter words to Shakespeare in literally two weeks. Um, you know, abridged Shakespeare, but, um, uh, but just to see it develop out of joy, out of interest, out of curiosity. Um, my husband and I were just saying how over this summer, you know, where we haven't done a single thing that could remotely be called schoolish, um, our six-year-old is suddenly writing us notes all the time. You know, he's handing us notes all the time and doing that, like trying to spell things. And so I get little notes all the time throughout the day, you know, and to see him doing that because he wants to write notes and he has something to say and he's writing it because he wants to, and he has something to communicate, not because somebody made him do it, you know? And I just take so much joy in seeing that joy and seeing them relate to things um, because they're interested and seeing that curiosity stay intact. Oh, that's beautiful. I, and I love the word aliveness that you use that when yeah. you're talking about that curiosity and a lot. Right. That is, that's it, right? That's, yeah, that's yeah. such a difference that you, that you see a lot in, in unschooled kids because they're, they haven't been told, you know, no, or, 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 um, that's don't, don't, don't be doing that, you know, having, absolutely. Um, judgment on the things that they're interested in because yeah 
any interest can take them, whether it's Shakespeare or Harry Potter can, can take yeah. them to reading or it's something else entirely, you know, maybe it's video games. It doesn't matter when they have, when it's a personal interest, something that they're truly curious about and interested in, it will take them to all those places. There'll be things to read absolutely. about it, right? Yes, be, absolutely. Yeah, there'll be things to write about it. You know, these, these are... yeah. These are not skills in and of themselves. They're skills to accomplish things, right? Absolutely. They're tools. Yeah, they're tools Tools. that help you you relate to the world. Yeah. And the thing is, is that if you're not out there in the world, you can't relate to it, you know? And so then you have tool as the tool. The tool has to be, you know, the end result, right? When, When you don't, can't have something fun to use it for. Absolutely. Yeah. Which makes it kind of silly, like shutting kids up in a classroom and trying to give them these tools out of context and out of, you know, out of relationship with interacting with the world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Amanda. It was so Of course. It's been lovely, Pam. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. That's awesome. And before we go, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? Yeah, so um, currently, um, so I have a blog at uh, RaisingUnschoolers.com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook under the same Raising Unschoolers. Um, I also have a Facebook forum, which I've just started, um, uh, which kind of started as a, a local thing. Um, and you know, but anyone can join it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm tired of fielding questions. So I made a <laughs> come here and ask me a question. Um, so that's, uh, raising unschoolers on Facebook. Um, that's a forum where you can, uh, ask questions. Um, and then you'll see my articles from time to time in The Natural Parent or on Medium or other magazines. Um, and then you can watch for my book under the same title, Raising Unschoolers, which will be done as soon as I finish it because I'm an unschooler and apparently <laughs> I don't even go by my own deadlines. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Hopefully it'll be out okay. next year. There'll be links to all those things in the show notes for people. And thank you so much, Amanda. It was such a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, Pam. It's been lovely. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to pick up your free copy of my book, What is Unschooling? In it, we'll explore some of the common questions people have when they first hear about unschooling, like, how will my child learn? How do I know they're learning? What is de-schooling? And how do I get started? It's also available at many online ebook retailers. And if you'd like to connect online, you can find me on Facebook at Living Joyfully. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.